that's calling all you slow idiots. We'll start in a couple of seconds, just waiting for people to get into the room. You can do your patriotic duty, of course, by tweeting this out right now. In fact, I'm doing that right now. Also, you can share on Facebook. You can do a little um, uh, Instagram thing. But uh, let's take our first caller. And by the way, you can always join us right before this, where we're at youtube.com slash usefulidious. And of course, join our Substack at uh, usefulidiots.substack.com, where you get extended interviews and bonus content, including every week we've just added a new segment called Thursday Throwdown, your, your weekly dose of media madness, which lets us uh, talk about all the great media clips that are not released on Sunday mornings. So there's tons of that. All right. Uh, let's take our first yeah, sorry, Aaron, were you saying something? No, um, but I, I do encourage everyone to check out uh, com. or yes, we do the Thursday Throwdown now. It's uh, There's too much media madness just for one exactly. Monday morning show, so we added Thursday. Yeah. Calendar. Yep. All right, let's take our first caller, Brent. Hello? Brent. Okay, there you go. Can you hear me? Yeah, Hello? we can hear you. Hi, so this question is uh, for Aaron. So I've been watching, um, I'm a huge fan of Jimmy Dore, and um, I've been watching him guest host a show. And um, in one of his, in one of the clips, he says uh, no one wants to debate him on Russia or the, um, the R- Russia-Ukraine conflict. So um, I guess I'll do it. So my question is basically he's been interviewing this guy named Scott Ritter. And um, he's been the Scott Ritter guy. Um, he's claiming that the conflict between Russia and Ukraine didn't start with the invasion. He's, he claims that um, it started when um, there was a coup that replaced Yanukovych with a, a nationalist leader who uh, carried out a genocide against ethnic Russians. And, um, and it started because... Uh, Russia wanted to protect the rights of ethnic Russians, and um, the Ukrainian government was shelling the Donbass for eight years. And I know I've talked to Aaron many times um, regarding this, and he's made it very clear that he does not feel that the Russian invasion of Ukraine was justified. But it seems like um, when this guy was explaining his, his his bit about how he felt that the Russia didn't start the invasion, the U.S. and Ukraine did. He didn't really push back on that. And um, as a host of the Jamie Doris show, um, I feel like uh, he should be able to explain to this guy that. Okay, Brent, you're cutting out, but I think I get your point. And um, what you're referring to. So I I guess hosted the, the Jamie Doris show. That's what you're referring to, right? Can you hear me? I can. I can now. Yeah. So you're referring yeah. to when I, I guess hosted the the Jimmy show last week. Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, what happened was you know Scott Ritter said that um, that uh, wh- whatever he said, Russia didn't start this conflict. And so that's when I said, well, what do you mean? People will wa- watching this will think, will hear that and say, well, what are you, what are you talking about? Russia is the one who invaded. And so then he gave his answer. And so what, what, do you, what is your complaint? What is your criticism? 
So, um, do you push back on the, is, is, is the point of the, the, the interview to give the, let people give their opinion or do you push back? Do you, do you offer disagreements? When he said that Russia didn't start this conflict, I asked him specifically about that. I asked him to explain that, to justify that because many people out there would not agree with it. Now, I happen to personally agree with him that I don't think this, this conflict started when Russia invaded. You only can think that if you ignore what's been going on for the last eight years. And that's what I asked him to clarify. So in asking him, in challenging that statement he made and asking him to substantiate it, that to me was uh, me doing my job as a, as a host to represent points of view, especially those who wouldn't agree with Ritter and give him the chance to explain what he was talking about. Right, right. And I totally get that. Like most people would say, oh, Aaron should have pushed back because if he doesn't push back, he agrees with them. And I disagree with, with those people. There's people like the Vanguard, other people who, who would criticize you as saying like, you should be pushing back on that. But I totally get why you're, you're presenting certain points of view. But at the same time, as I've asked Jimmy, like I've tried to ask Jamie the same question about whether he feels the Russia invading Ukraine would justify. And as a being anti-war, him preaching anti-war, I feel that should be an easy question for him to answer. But when I asked him in person, he would not give me a straight answer. And that's very concerning to me. Be- okay. Well, I, so. you know, look, uh, Jimmy's not here to defend himself. So I don't want to make claims about him that, um, you know, that he can't answer directly. Uh, but I've never heard Jimmy justify Russia's invasion. And uh, look, some people do. And uh, I get it. I, you know, I, it's not as if I think... I think, you know, I've made my views known. I don't I don't uh, condone the invasion. I do think uh, Russia's invasion is criminal, and I think they needed to exhaust all diplomatic options before doing it. At the same time, I do think that they were put into a corner, and it's not a, it's not a very easy question to answer as to what else Russia could have done to address what was happening. The war in the Donbass that was going on for eight years in which 15,000 people died, which is a lot of people. And Ukraine, with U.S. backing, was ignoring the peace agreement that could have ended that war. On top of Russia's other concerns about, you know, having a Ukraine become a member of NATO on its border. So anyway, thank you for the call, Brent. Appreciate All right, it. Thank you. OK, Jose. OK. Hi. Good morning, Good morning. Katie, Aaron. Two of my favorite people. Um, I'll just get right to the point here. Um, I don't know um, if you guys saw about the... Uh, this... uh, what happened, Jose? You're gone. You're not muted, but we can't hear you. You guys still hear me? Oh, yeah, you can. Okay, now great. we yeah. can. Uh, okay, sorry. Um, yeah, no, the... Um, Russians are now accusing the UK of the drone attacks and also the Nord Stream 2 pipeline blowing up. And Ray McGovern had actually tweeted out saying, well, the Russians would not accuse the United Kingdom of doing this unless they had evidence. And I would hope, one, that you guys can speak a little bit on what this means for increased tensions for World War Three, because... Um, you know, the Brits are denying this vehemently. So what does this mean? How will the world respond? Is there going to be like a UN emergency session? What does this mean going forward? And then just the second thing on the Scott Ritter, uh, Aaron, uh, actually having Scott Ritter on the Jimmy Dore show was great. And I would point people, we didn't ask me anything with him. Him, Diane Sayre, Jeff Young, and Ray McGovern did a uh, 
a blacklist asked me anything about a month ago. And we live streamed that. And it's also on Reddit on um, our way of the burn. Yeah, those people are great. And I would just point you guys to that and take a look at what he and others had to say regarding this blacklist question and the question of nuclear war. So that's all I got. And I thank you for on Russia accusing the UK of uh, Nord Stream 2, I haven't seen that yet. But uh, look, at the Gray Zone a few weeks ago, uh, Kit Clarenberg published an article in which he had leaked documents that come from UK intelligence operatives laying out a detailed plan to bomb the Kerch Bridge. Um, and so uh, it wouldn't, you know, it's not implausible that UK had a role in Nord Stream 2. I haven't seen the evidence, so I, I don't want to comment on it before I've actually seen what Russia has alleged and um, what evidence they have for it. But it, it, it wouldn't, you know, it, it would be perfectly in character if there was a UK role, because we do, I mean, it, it is fair to speculate that this was a party with someone with an interest in, in sabotaging Nord Stream 2, and the main culprits there are the US, UK, and their allies. Also, just want to add that uh, I had Kit on my show you know, which I think just under, under who you've known for a while, which is that Putin is a fan of the Katie Halper show and also a Patreon supporter of the Katie Halper show because it's a mostly Patreon episode. So that's the other takeaway. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I don't really have much. Oh, I guess just one more thing. Um, if you could just tell me what you think the worst thing is that Mike Pompeo has done whether as CIA director or when he was in the House of Representatives, something that he should really be nailed on. Or if there's a connection between him and Ukraine that I don't know about, and you can point me in the right direction, I would appreciate that too. Well, there's the Assange, right? Uh, I mean, Mike Pompeo kind of masterminded the plot uh, of the CIA to you know, uh, ratchet up spying and sabotage of Assange. I mean, really, that whole... And the, the, that indictment, I'm sure he played a major role in influencing. And uh, as Secretary of State, he oversaw the attempted coup in Venezuela and the, you know, sanctions that harmed Venezuelan civilians. He uh, also uh, intensified uh, U.S. efforts against Iran, which also hurt Iranian civilians with sanctions that he kind of salivated over. So, I mean, you know, and Syria, too. He... Um, he was one of the officials who helped sabotage Trump's call for withdrawal and uh, push through the Caesar Act, which imposed the harshest sanctions in the world on the Syrian people. So he is, and, and Qasem Soleimani, <laughs> the killing of Qasem Soleimani. I, I think it's fair to say he played a major role in that too. So I'm sure I'm, I'm, sure I'm leaving some stuff out. Pompeo is one of the um, mm. most sadistic right. political figures in recent memory. Just like the, the pleasure he takes from uh, hurting foreign civilians in countries that he wants to destabilize. He's almost a, is it fair to say, Aaron, that he's a renaissance man of evil? I'd say All so, right. yes. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. yes. I did not he's get on here to bug you about that. And Jose, yeah. don't, I'm I'm guys, I'm releasing it now, my interview so. with no. Jose as video <laughs> All right, well, anyway, audio, thank you guys so much. And the Mike Pompeo out. thing will Stand be by for that. in a few days. That's why I'm asking, so. Uh, you know, he might, oh, he might be somewhere, you know, I might be putting yeah. my license to good use. I'll put it that way. So, all right. Anyway, thank y'all. Yeah. I was going to say, you're going to, you're going to use these talking points. I hope so. Nice. Great. Okay. Russ. 
questions. Hello, hello. Hello. Hi there, guys. A um, couple of things. At the end of your post podcast, Katie, you said something like, anyway, uh, there's something I really want to say, and then it cut off. What was that? Oh, this is very important. Thanks for being such an active listener. I was going to tell people that we have a new segment called Thursday Throwdowns. <clears throat> where you get your weekly dose of media madness. And that's one of the things that you get when you're a Patreon. Uh, sorry, a Substacker, a Useful Idiot Substack, which is uh, at, at UsefulIdiotSubstack.com. That was it. Cool. Okay. Yeah. And also, I was just curious, you said something about the power of positive thinking. Oh, yeah. Were you being facetious or that was a genuine, heartfelt comment? I mean, I was being facetious in that context. I mean, there are some studies <laughs> about that, but yeah, in that context, I was. Okay, because I'm very apolitical, um, but I've come up with this ingenious anti-war strategy. Ooh. And I was wondering if you guys had an idea as to where would be the bit like should i start a sub stack or wh where would be the best place to try to um highlight this concept well what's the idea you want to announce it here um, well i don't want to take up the next the next 50 minutes of your oh, calling, yeah. but um i'd be i'd be completely happy to share it with you no problem whatsoever do it in 30 seconds. Yeah, 30 seconds. What's your <laughs> elevator pitch? <laughs> um, hmm. Okay, in 30 seconds, I can turn anti-war into the new Me Too. There you go, 10 seconds. Wow. The meat on the bone, I can elaborate on. I can send you a message or whatnot. But I, I was just curious, where would you suggest I... Um, Sorry, and, and just for our vegan friends, we want to be sensitive. So we yeah. have to say also the, the uh, tofurkey on the yeah. uh, good. Good. I was going to interrupt to say yeah. that. Now I don't yeah. have to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I just, I just want to say right now, I am completely not feeling very comfy. Good. <laughs> previously, <laughs> pre yes. previously, Aaron always said this was the best after party, etc. But this week, it's just been all about the whole comfy thing. Well, well it's got to well, be hey, comfy at a party. Yeah, a party's got to be comfy. That's true. We're sorry to so make where you do comfy. I, yeah. So what's your suggestion? What's your advice? Where do I... Um... Uh, you know, um, Substack is... I mean, we all use... Uh, Katie and I both use Substack. Uh, you know, you pick what feels right for you. And thank you for the call, Russ. Uh, okay, Anthony. Hello, Monday morning. Hello. Yeah, well, I thought something was funny on towards the end that um, was Dana Bash, and she was saying, well, there's no proof that the 2020 election was unfair. And I think, you know, to say that it wasn't unfair is quite a statement. I mean, you could say it wasn't rigged, and then you're debating what the meaning of rigged is. But uh, obviously, you know, Trump's claims, they're not very credible in my opinion. But to say it was, it was fair, the 2020 election, I think that's a little ridiculous i mean just take the hunter biden story alone 
you know, suppression. That is a fair point that I we should have made today. I'm just putting it. Yeah. That's a great point. It's true. That was that was an act of uh, censorship to help Biden, and that's that's totally fair. I mean, uh, I still, I do think that's a fair point. She, she would probably push back if Dana were here, which Dana come on the show. But she'd probably say, "Oh, first of all, she wouldn't accept that, and she'd be wrong and not concede." <clears throat> but maybe she'd say, "Well, I'm talking about in terms of like vote, actual voting." But I still think what you're saying is is a good point. Halloween. Happy Halloween. You too. Okay. Thomas. Hello, Thomas. Are you there? <clears throat> Is there a Thomas in the building? No. Okay. Uh, we'll move on to to and Thomas from oh there you go yes hi oh hey hey yeah uh, Aaron you critic you characterized um this uh phenomenon of the um, the Republicans uh, MAGA Republicans uh, um you know declaring the the election was uh, stolen to be nutty and I just wanted to push back not push back on that to resist it because uh, I don't really believe at least from my reading, I don't really believe that we're, you know, libidos that are, that are governed by reason. You know, I think that, uh, um, I want to get away from the idea that, uh, you know, and the term nutty implies, you know, nuts with a Z and, uh, which is a kind of, a out here in California, fruits and nuts are, it's kind of like a homophobic slur about Californians. Anyway, um, that we're not, that we're not libidos, that it's not their libido. It's a, a collective persecutory delusion. It's a, um, like a sign of psychosis or something, but it's not, it's not that their libidos are out of control and they're, they want to rape us. And so okay. they're, they're yeah, doing, no, yeah. no, that's, that's my only point. Yeah. There's no sexual connotation in, for me, nutty at all. To, to me, nutty, yeah. nutty means nuts as in crazy, but, uh, yeah. I'll try to use more uh, inclusive. Yeah, language. it's a craze. It's a craze. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Selly. So. Hi. How are you? Hi there. Hi there. I have some, some um, like, a couple of questions to ask you. I saw, I saw. So you were talking about MAGA, and I don't know if you know that yesterday after a very, very, almost hard, very, very hard uh, election, Lula won. And of course, Bolsonaro, he didn't like appear. I lost. And yeah, I don't think it will go beyond that. But uh, there is, of course, a lot of people, you know, like already like uh, closing roads, truck drivers, like protesting because the election was rigged. He, it's exactly the same, like, you know, playbook. And yeah, yeah and, you know, Steve, I think I mentioned, like Steve Bannon has been around here and this Atlas Network. And do you have any idea which ones? Because the Atlas Network is like the most famous, but all these think tanks, these libertarian think tanks that are founding this uh, kind of very right wing uh, here in like Chile, Argentina, Brazil, 
uh, they are like, of course, connected. But I was wondering if you have any idea about them, like anything you can tell me. Well, Sabe, we did, just so you know, we did announce Lula's win at the end of our um, of our Useful Idiots Monday morning YouTube stream. But yes, <laughs> thank you for bringing up here to call in for people who aren't, didn't know. And what, sorry, what's your question? My question is I need more what info because all I, I, all everybody seems to know is that about this Atlas Foundation. So, so um, listen, sorry. Sorry, sorry, I have to interrupt a, because actually there's a, a glitch in the app where I think the previous <gasps> caller is still on. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you out and then just come back in the queue, are, okay? Like, like no founders. Just come, just come right back in the queue. That should take care of it. Yeah, this the app's been a little glitchy. It happened to me yesterday where the previous caller will okay, say, no problem. yeah, as we can still hear, right? I will, I will. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if they can even hear this. Um, all right, we're going to what, what we'll do is take. Well, Who's talking now? Maybe also they can mute themselves. I'm here to say where I listened to an entire episode. Uh, like That's they, tough. Colin okay. played an Let's entire Let's see if this fixes it. Uh, Jabril. At the same time. And then, and then, and then, Sally, we'll come back to you. That I was doing another one. So I had two things going on. Anyway. Yeah. Hey. Oh. Hey, good morning, you two. Hey, Jabril. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Katie. We um, I spoke to the both of you yesterday, and I actually met Katie in person. Yeah, like, that was great. Yeah, it was cool. It was nice. Busboys and Poets. Yeah, a place got named after uh, Langston Hughes. But, um, yeah, uh, I thought there was a grizzly bear on the line there. I was like, <laughs> yeah, the oh, coughing. Yeah, poor fella. Um, so before I get, uh, I wanted to say, you, uh, useful idiots last week. I don't even remember exactly how and what, but you two, it was hilarious. It had to be the funniest. I just remember coming away from it like, oh my God, there's never been a funnier episode that I had seen. I just, I don't know if you all felt that way. Anyway, um, <laughs> the hypocritical media. Oh my God, it's not even funny. You all were on the Chuckster. Yeah, him and Amy Klobuchar. Um, it's crazy. Like, you know, he was so excited, right, about the whole, no, I couldn't do that on his show, on my show. I would get fact, you know, like, um, can't say anything contradictory to uh, the fact. Yeah, we got to bear with this glitch, everybody, because uh, um, the call didn't. So, um, um, I've seen a clip. And, um, oh, if... the grizzly bear's back. I forgot his name. Um, I forgot his name, but if it, yeah, I, I forgot his name. But if the previous caller can hear this, you want to cl close the app because we can all hear you. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I, I forgot your <laughs> name already. But um, yeah, Whoa. if you can hear this, close the app. It's a. It, and we're sorry for this. It, it's a glitch in the app. It happened to me yesterday when I did a yeah. comment, and, and it's, it's a glitch. Close the app, so, mute yourself, because we yeah, hear hopefully you Hopefully, you will hear this. Okay. Our heart goes out to you. It's just all distracted. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's I can make it through as long as it's not much more decibel than what it's been. Um but uh yeah, so um I was watching Russell Brand and you know he does his monologue and it's full of jokes and things, but um and it but it, it's absolutely um you know speaking truth to power. Um so like Fauci, Rachel Maddow, and Biden were uh you know they never make apologies they never just say you never hear them make statements like you did uh a little bit ago Aaron where you said I stand corrected that is, that is just too uh large a feat to to expect um from them but uh when when they were when they were uh on their press tour uh, about the vaccines giving you immunity to COVID. Like Rachel Maddow on her show stating, the jab stops the virus. This is, the virus stops there. And then he goes on to Fauci. Fauci says, if, if you're getting the vaccine, you're not passing the virus. That's how we stop the spread. And then it goes immediately another flash to Biden. And Biden's like, uh, if you get this vaccine, you're not going to get COVID. It's not going to happen. So, you know, you have, it's just, it's so hypocritical. It's just, it's just terrible. And, um, you know, and they were ranting and raving just, just a bit ago about what was it, by the way, that Amy Klobuchar and, uh, Chuck were saying that, 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 uh, that she announced Chuck, you couldn't do that, um, on your show. Uh, misinformation, I think. Yeah, yeah but was there Elon anything specific? Musk. Oh, Elon Musk. Yes. Thank you, Katie. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, and that's just his opinion. I mean, these are officials that get up here and Fauci, like, I mean, they dub him almost like Walter Cronkite, like the most trusted man in America. The, the the cult around Fauci, you know, and uh, they were given bad information. And then when they realized that it wasn't preventing the spread, did you hear them come? I mean, I could be wrong, but I, I didn't hear anything to clarify and try to um, rectify uh, giving such large scale bad info when it comes to public health and so forth. I just, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that to light and see yeah. what you all. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Jimmy Dore's covered this extensively and uh, yeah, look, uh, it was initially thought that the vaccine stopped the spread. And when it was realized that it does, and people, you know, were, um, you know, implored to, to get the jab for that reason. Uh, and then when it realized that it doesn't, uh, no, there hasn't been mass corrections, although I'm still unclear. I do think it reduces, uh, does it not reduce the likelihood of spreading? Like, doesn't it re reduce the viral load that people carry? Or is that also not true? Uh, well, I thought initially that that was it too, that, yeah. it, you know, because they, they said, it, you know, the efficacy rate on, on stopping spread was like 90%. And then, uh, um, the uh, preventing the vi viral load from being um, heavy and you needing hospitalization, possibly a ventilator, 
and that thing. But I don't think it does. It does not do anything for the spread. Uh, um, uh, it did not stop the spread. It just reduced. It, it, it's more of a treatment. It, it's more of a treatment than an actual vaccine. I mean, because that was a big argument. What are vaccines? Is this a vaccine? You know, but my point more is, is it's more to the to the media, how they can get up with large audiences and say these things. I mean, if you like they were pontificating, Rachel Maddow was like fist bumping her desk like the it stops with the jab. You know, like it was just it's yeah, just I remember so that. hypocritical. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, oh, and the last thing before I go, I, I mentioned it both to, to, to you both, Katie in person. And by the way, we took a selfie. Email me that. <laughs> but um, Tommy, Tommy, Rask, Tommy Raskin, a uh, poem on, at the Veg Fest 2017. Remember, yeah. I, was, yeah. I mentioned to I both of you to check that out. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. Must see. Very powerful. Be prepared to, you know, take it back a few seconds when you need to. But anyway, I've taken up enough yeah. time. I just, you know. Thanks to Thanks both of you. Yeah. Thank you. And, of course, Tommy Raskin Absolutely. is Jamie Raskin's son who who, who committed suicide tragically uh, yep. uh, a few years ago. New okay. Year's Eve twenty for twenty going into 2021. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this app is glitching. Um, yeah. Maybe we can call. Uh, I'm just thinking maybe we text someone. They can I wrote them. Yo. Yeah, I wrote them. I wrote them. So okay. I'm going to have to, I'm going to take, um, Celia, are you there? Yes, yes, I am. Okay. And Jabril, are, are you still on, even though you're out of the queue? Yes, I am. You are. Okay, yeah. so that, so Jabril, so you need to uh, mute yeah. yourself. Okay. If, if that's an option for you. Um, you know what? I can just um, I can swipe down and use my screen and mute it. You know what you should do? Actually, listen. Do me a okay. favor. Uh, just close the app. Like, okay. if you yeah, like like quit the app entirely. Yeah, and, and then, then come and then come back in as a listener, and okay. th- hopefully this will solve our. Yo, I'll crisis. do that. Oh, Thank by you. the way, uh, you got stuck, Katie, on the uh, when you were trying to let us know to go t- uh, about Thursdays, <laughs> and I screen recorded it. It's funny. It's just when anyway. about Thursday. Um, when you when you left the stream from YouTube. Oh yeah, oh yeah, the Thursday. Yeah, thanks. The Thursday. It was stuck, so I I did this. I, I did a screen recording just for a couple seconds of it. It was really oh, funny. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks. You too. Take care. You too. Okay. You too. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. So you were saying, Katie, something about this episode. Or not, not the one about Haiti, right? Like the one from today. Uh, no, I was saying that we talked about on our Monday, we do a Monday morning stream right before this. So we talked about Lula then. Oh, very, I checked it out. Oh, okay. I, I, but very I, briefly, like almost nothing. We just played a video of his victory speech. Okay. Oh, it was, yeah, it was amazing. The thing is, I usually, that part I like the one in the Monday mornings I don't usually watch it because it's so local that yeah so right. yeah one thing about the 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 vaccines I'm not a doctor I'm not going to be responsible to talk about medicine just information wise like we got a slightly different story like um, from the start we were told that it would not stop 
the spread. So apparently they didn't agree on many things and that it would like uh, diminish the number of people going to hospital and dying. But the stopping the spread will be a consequence of people, less people getting sick. Right. So they, they choose whatever version they like, apparently, in that regard. So, yeah, I, that that was my point. If you if you knew anything about these think tanks that were supporting like both Trump and I think they're connected to the Brexit ones also. And this they are like I haven't seen in a very long time so much meddling right like in this like right now into political parties even like from there this uh, the new york times and stuff like that even that like openly saying you should vote for this one uh, to this more shady kind of intervention so if you i don't know hear about it anything like i would really appreciate the info The the think tanks that were attached to Trump and I'm sorry you cut out for a little bit. Yeah, the think tanks that are yes, they are the same one. Like this Atlas Foundation is the most like advertised one. It's the most that um, that there has been a lot of press about it. Like I, I was telling you, like Li Fang did something oh, a long yeah. time ago about it, and there's this Argentinian guy that also did, but I, it's not the only one, right? So this this Atlas Network is linked to the Heritage Foundation, but I think there are many more because there's a lot of money, really a lot of money put into this. Or like, I think it's there in Europe as well, but they're all over South America at least, like with this very crazy right-wing kind of people. And Bolsonaro is like doing, he's been doing the exact same thing as Trump did, like the exact same thing. And now he's not like accepting defeat, but he might be right. But there is these people like they are closing roads and saying that it was a, a rigged election that, you know, there's this mess. That is the same consequence that you had. So nothing, just that. Okay, yeah, I'll look into that. I don't know about that. I don't know, uh, but it sounds interesting and important to look into. Okay, thank you, Katie. Thanks, Ellie. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, Steve, and then yeah, Steve and Loki. Hi, Steve. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, this is Steve, the old peace activist in Northern California. So, two real quick things. Um, the first one is. There was an earlier call where he said, we have to make anti-war movement the new Me Too. Well, in the Central America war movement back in the day, you guys should listen to your elders, back in the day we had something called Pledge of Resistance. And people got trained, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of people, trained on how to do civil disobedience the right way because there was a movement. There was an anti-war anti-Central America war movement, and we had we had organizations. And uh, so Pledge of Resistance, you signed it, and you said the, 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 the day the U.S. invades Central America, you know, invades Nicaragua or uh, invades uh, El Salvador to prop up the, the right-wing death squad government, 
uh, we will do civil disobedience against the U.S. government. So um, the, the, the thing we're lacking right now is organization. And I know we have Medea Benjamin. I was so happy you guys had her on. Uh, but people aren't organizing. I'm, you know, a resistance takes organi organizing. It takes organizing. And then the second thought uh, I have is uh, Chris Hedges did a tweet today where he said, if you think it, uh, nuclear war isn't possible, visit Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm. I, I really think we need to not physically hit anyone over the head with a hammer, but I, I really think we need to verbally start hitting people over the head with hammers, so to speak. Mm. That's it. All right, thanks. Great. All right, Loki. Hi, Loki. Hello, Katie. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Okay, I got a couple questions. Or one is kind of long, so I'll try to just get them off right, right away. So, um, how do like honest professionals, scientists, intellectuals, and academics battle against the capture by big money of the institutions that are necessary for the fulfillment of of society oh that's the first one say can you say that again so how do professionals you know scientists intellectuals academics journalists you know within institutions like how how can they better battle against the capture of these, you know, especially public institutions or institutions that are vital for the functioning of society, how can they battle against the the influences of big money and of of the capture of of these institutions by big money for their purposes and to their narratives? Uh Is that that's a real uh, big question. Um, I yeah, just give. I'd, I'd love to hear. I know it's a big question, but I would honestly love to hear yours and Aaron's opinion on this. I, you guys kind of shy, shy away sometimes, but I, but I think you guys, even even if it's just an opinion, have probably have a lot of insight on that. So, okay, say it in five seconds. The question. Ten seconds. Uh, how do we? <laughs> So how, how can normal people in various institutions of society that are necessary for the functioning of the society battle against the capture of these institutions by big moneyed interests that are driving the planet in, into freaking hell? How, how, so you mean how like, do we fight do, back within our own institutions? Yeah. So you mean like how do professors at universities do that? How do what, what? I'm just curious, like what kinds of institutions you're referring to? Like, we'll we'll say we'll say journalists if you need uh, specificity. Sure. But I am talking about in general, but we'll just say journalists. Okay, so how do journalists uh, combat this capture? It's hard, but I guess having an independent. Uh, well, part of it is having independent media and not relying on corporate media. Um, I think that that 
you know, like what, what happened with me at the Hill, not to, which was not the biggest, uh, uh, travesty obviously, but you know, when I got fired over my Israel as an apartheid state video, I was able to be fine because I had all these other, uh, independent media outlets and, um, you know, have people supporting me on Patreon or for the show on Substack. So that's an important thing, I think, to have a financial model that's outside of corporate media. That's that's great, but it kind of it kind of s- sounds like you know these were these were kind of a personal thing for you, right? That you were personally had different, I guess you could call them work investments, or you know, thing other avenues, other paths. No, missing what I'm saying. I'm saying that if people are solely reliant on corporate media employment, then they are going to be restrained by the so-called Is that Katie, noise of previous callers? Yeah, is, is that, that noise? Is that you, um, Loki? It's not me. I don't have any... There's no air hoses around me. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. What was okay. your response um i was i was just saying you know in your particular situation when they try to censor you over israel shit i don't know it seems to come on when i'm talking but there's there's nothing with that kind of noise around me in my environment but uh it yeah it seems like you had you personally had different ways around you know that issue and that and that kind of block because you know through through the hill, you know, because you're active on many different media platforms, you know, so you kind of had job security in yourself. But, you know, how do we replicate that for, you know, other other people as well? You know, well, for journalists, I mean, I'm not just doing a self referential response. Journalists can have jobs outside of corporate media. That's a way for them to resist. Uh, I'm not criticizing journalists who operate within corporate media, but that's a way to resist some of the capture. Aaron, you-, I, you know, I, I, I have a slightly different uh, take. I, I think it's a, it comes down to, are you willing to make the choice to stand unconditionally for the truth, even if it costs you uh, jobs? And are you prepared for the consequences if that costs you your livelihood? Because that, you know, n- not everybody can make it in the independent space. I mean, there, there are more opportunities now, but it is a choice that is not easy to make for people who like want to have a career in journalism where, you're taking a big gamble. Like when I came out against Russiagate, I, I was still at that time hoping to have like um, a producing career in corporate media um, or in, in or in like uh, adjacent to corporate media media. Um, like I was, you know, I was because I'd been at Democracy Now for ten years uh, as a producer, and that's you know. I wanted to see where else I could go. And I did go on to Al Jazeera, which is like adjacent to corporate media. But I knew that by coming out against Russiagate, I would be closing myself off from that path because that was, at the time, the the dominant narrative that you just could not challenge. And I was even applying for some jobs at MSNBC that I'd interviewed for and um, I, I, I had like advanced in the process. But I knew for myself that, you know, for me, there was like, ultimately, I just wanted to, I wanted to be able to speak truth and i um i decided it was worth whatever cost there would be for me to do it but not everyone can do that you know so it's really it it's a personal choice and for me it worked out but that that's not guaranteed so it it just comes down to one's own 
um, personal situation and, you know, how strongly they feel about their convictions. And I, you know, I know people who have just have, have chosen the, the corporate route or the, or the corporate adjacent route. And uh, I, um, I don't, you know, I don't fault them for it because that's, that's how they have to, that's how they support themselves. Yeah. I, I understand that point of view as well, but I was just, I was just hoping that there could be another way or another narrative where where uh, truth tellers can kind of show solidarity with each other, not just on a moral level, but on a material level, on a you know something well, that, objective. That, that would be great, but the problem is, you know, as you can see, if you observe lefty media, there's so much infighting, and um, you know, and and it's hard because the thing is, like, in my situation, like I look at democracy now, right, and I think this is like a beacon of integrity uh, for independent media and set the standard and was so influential to me. And I learned so much from it. But now, even though I see democracy now being, you know, at its core, so noble, I see them on certain issues repeatedly parroting the propaganda that they used to challenge. So even though I feel a lot of solidarity with my, you know, my former colleagues there and, and, and the, and the spirit of the show, do I, do I not say anything because I, still really value the show or um, or do I make criticisms and once you do that then you then you're not welcome at democracy now you know because you're you criticized it so it's like I see you're towing the line there you're saying right yeah I mean so it's just there's it'd be great if there was more solidarity in lefty media but um, there's a lot of infighting and uh, that's that's just life that's how it is Okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on. Okay, to try to fix the sound issue. No. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna whoever is the previous caller who is making some sounds like some water noises, or if you're if you were previously speaking to us, you're still on the line. So, quit the app and come back in. Uh, if you were a previous caller, if you can hear this to anybody. Okay, Peggy, go ahead. Oh, hi, guys. One of the things um, that everyone likes to do is talk about what a bunch of idiots the MAGA people are, and I think that's not completely out to lunch, but um, Hillary Clinton wrote a whole book about how she lost because the Russians uh, put money on Facebook and that that screwed her up. And then we can go way back for fun to 2000, where um, Gore was saying, well, if people hadn't voted for Nader in Florida, you know, he would have won. And it just seems like, I mean, there has to be somewhere in this whole thing, some uh, grain of truth to the fact that the uh, elections, if, if not rigged, I don't know, that sort of, certainly has a certain connotation. But um, we seem to be guided, manipulated into <clears throat> voting for whichever candidates the uh, Democratic and Republican parties come up with. Uh, you know, you're just harassed if you vote for a uh, third party. Uh, the election debates are all run now by the Republican and the Democratic parties, opposed to the Women League, League of Voters. So it's really closed the system so that you have, you know, vanilla or vanilla, or however you want to put it. And I, I don't know how election reform can come about when you have so many people who are in elected office, who are uh, benefiting from this uh, system. So, I think that's a great point. I think it's, that's a great point. We have such a managed democracy. Where we're just... water. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry everybody for this. Um, I told I told the calling people, and hopefully they'll fix it for next I time. Uh, I don't know why I just think it's funny, but that's yeah, funny. it is funny. <laughs> it is funny. Uh, um, <laughs> and uh, we're just hoping we don't hear anything, um, any any yeah. untoward noises uh, in someone's private life. But um, the uh, Frank goes into the bathroom with the microphone on. Exactly. Exactly. No, 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 please. Yeah. So, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, we live in a managed democracy where we have the illusion of choice when really it's just two factors <sighs> of the ruling class. And then so this hyper focus on election integrity diverts from the fact that the real threat to democracy is the fact that the people have no real say in policy. Yep. Right. Uh, that's, and that's, that's what all of this covers up for. And, uh, you know, we'll never tire of pointing that out. So thank you, Peggy, for the call. We're going to keep moving on in the hopes that more callers will, kick off our our enduring uh guest who who won't who's oh, who's so anyway go ahead thanks Sahan. for the show today um yes i actually Hi. wanted to get your opinion on uh where um well the um elections in brazil you pointed out that you're uh, happy that uh, there's a, a new president there but bolsonaro hasn't conceded yet at least as of now um, and he did have a lot of the same kind of rhetoric and <clears throat> mentality as Trump. He was trying to challenge it with even force. Um, he was touring the country and all that. So just wanted to get your take on that and what your analysis is on, um, um, you know, next few days and also the, the, the future of Brazil with the new election. Thanks. Well, uh, yeah, I'm not surprised he hasn't conceded, but it sounds, uh, I mean, Glenn Greenwald was saying today on Twitter that some of his supporters and allies have conceded, which is a, um, a sign, perhaps, that he will concede too, or that if he doesn't concede, that it will be more difficult for him to pull it off if his own people are conceding. And, uh, you know, Brazil's future, it's, um, you know, Lula, uh, for, you know, I, I admire him greatly as a person. His party has been criticized for making too many concessions to the establishment in Brazil and not doing enough to mobilize its own base to, you know, make sure that democracy functions in a way where the people are the ones driving decisions. Uh, and Chomsky has talked about this party and the other one, you know, I believe Lula made a vice uh, as his vice president, as his vice presidential candidate, a real kind of neoliberal centrist figure. And that's a criticism I've heard too. So the, you know, but the challenge is when you're in one of these global South countries, that have been historically destabilized by the U.S. That you ha you know you you're constantly in a precarious situation where if you go too far in the direction of actual democracy, you're going to face the ire of the U.S. and you're going to face destabilization campaigns and all this stuff that the U.S. does, uh, especially in, in Latin America, which uh, Biden called recently his own front yard. So that's always a and then you also have to deal with your own domestic elite who have a lot of power in media. In Brazil, the media is owned by you know a handful of uh, corporations who are, um, I think pretty, have been traditionally pretty anti-Lula. And, um, so we'll see. I mean, the, the, these are all, it, it's very, like, you're always in a tough position when you're, when you're a global South leader, because, you know, uh, everything you do is under a microscope. And if you have too much to, if you, have, if you're yeah. too independent yeah, definitely good on news. the world, okay, stage, I'll quit the app. I you think will it face won't mute the, the previous caller. So thank you. Again, so have a good day. we'll see. But, um, okay. for now I'm celebrating what is, I think a really, uh, historic win, especially with all that happened to Lula and the efforts to sabotage him. Yeah. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you for your service. Okay. Shout out to the person scuba diving on the line. Yeah. Yes. 
and hopefully it's we're going to keep it just at scuba diving. Okay, Daniel, go ahead. Daniel, are you there? Daniel, you have five seconds to unmute yourself. The button is on the lower left. All right. If not, then we're going to go to our resident pro proxy war correspondent. Oh, Greg, who was in the chat, but now he's gone. Greg, I was just going to you. Um, okay. No, Daniel. No. Okay. Uh, Jill. Hi, Jill. And Jill, if you're there, press the mute button in the lower left to unmute yourself. No? Okay. Brent. Hi. So since nobody wants to speak anymore, I thought maybe um, I want to talk to Katie. So um, I just want to thank you for having those protesters on your show. Um I felt it was really important to hear the point of view because um, what you hear from the media is that their um, those protesters were like pro pro Russia propagandists, and um, I felt that was really an unfair attack on them. So yeah, just wanted to thank you for giving them a platform to speak. And AOC is a fraud, so she deserved all the screaming from them. So thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Brent. Um, I remember you, Brent, from uh, last time when Jose was on. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, it was a, a good, good. Um, I don't know how to say, it, good opportunity for them to speak their their point of view because no me other media does that. So. Yeah, I mean, I do. I I do really disagree with a lot with some of what they say. And I definitely think that LaRouche was a nut, but I said that. So right. Yeah. Right. I yeah. disagree. Of course I do. Like I disagree with a lot of what Jimmy Dore says. Yeah. Like I'm a huge fan of him. But I like, I feel like with his COVID narrative and stuff, I feel like he shouldn't be pushing that, but he's telling the, he's telling the facts, even though I don't like the, like the way he presents them, but he's presenting facts. And that's really what it should be all about. Like, even if you disagree with somebody like, as long as you're focused on the issues that are important, I feel that's that should be the most important thing. Not that they listen to some whack job or whatever. I mean, you know, that shouldn't be used to discredit people. Like, so. Yeah. Thanks, Brent. Okay, we got Nick. Welcome. Hey, Nick. Cute dog. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Um, good morning, all. And, uh, you know, one thing I would just add to the last conversation is I've also been watching the Jimmy Dore show for years, and uh, sometimes he's just really obnoxious and rubs me the wrong way, but I still like the show, and generally, you know, like a lot of guests like Aaron and all that stuff, it's still worth watching, and I agree with him a lot of times, but that's just kind of something I wanted to add, just personal opinion, I guess, but, you know, uh, you just have to be in the mood. You know, sometimes you don't even agree, but you just kind of like that he's just on a rant. Anyways, I was I was interested 
to ask something that I've kind of been wondering. It's like, what makes you know, Yanukovych, uh, like what made Yanukovych like a pro-Putin or pro-Russia government or leader? Because I remember seeing that, you know, there was this like proposed okay. partnership. Oh. Yeah, sorry. The, the sound is... Um... Can someone please stop? Uh, yeah, someone's now gone from snorkeling to running. All right, Nick, I'm going to try taking you out and seeing if that helps. And just come back in, okay? Okay. Did that work? Did yeah. Did that mercifully work? Okay, great. Wonderful. Wow. Okay. Okay, that was weird. Uh, but, yeah. you know, I kept hearing, you know, in a lot of media um, that – you know, you, in a lot of articles, just referring to Yanukovych's previous government as pro-Russia, but I would see these, you know, accusations or whatever you want, you know, that claim. But I remember seeing also that there's some proposed, you know, partnership between them and four other countries for yes, 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 and then yes, he yes. chose to exit that yes instead of go in. So if he was this Putin puppet, he wouldn't exactly. he, he would have joined it, and so. The reason why he's called pro-Russian is because he would, did not follow U.S.-EU orders. And what he wanted to do, which I think is the sensible approach for Ukraine, is you're, you're sort of a buffer between Russia and Europe. And you have people inside Ukraine who really identify with the rest of Europe, don't want anything to do with Russia. But you also have people who do identify with Russia. Right. So the answer in such a situation is to respect everybody's wishes. And why force someone into one camp or the other? And that's what Yanukovych tried to do. When he ran for office, he pledged to join the EU. And even when the EU offered him a horrible deal, which would have forced him to cut pensions and energy subsidies and um, uh, raise the retirement age, uh, he still said, I, we, we want to join the EU, but just not under these terms. But that act was not acceptable to the US and the EU. And so when protests broke out against Yanukovych for not accepting the EU deal, they exploited that to help back a coup. And, mm. uh, and because he also wanted to keep ties with Russia, uh, and uh, because also, you know, one of the things that, that the it, this period is so not understood, but one of the things that the EU was forcing him to do, if he wanted to join the EU, he would have to basically cut off cultural and economic ties to Russia and that Eurasian customs union that Russia uh, is a part of. But th that union accounted for a huge percentage of Ukraine's exports. So he was going to have to basically sign on to just uh, cutting off a major source of Ukraine's revenue, of its export revenue. Oh, wow. And he couldn't do that. And that part is not understood because, um, you know, uh, because, because it's inconvenient to the narrative. And yes, he certainly was corrupt. There's no doubt about that. But the fact that he refused to take this, this, this really horrible austerity deal and tried to actually open up a pathway to both the EU and Russia is why he was ultimately called pro-Russian in the Western narrative and why he was overthrown. Gotcha. I, I, I suspected it was just kind of unfair because you never see any backing or substantiation. It's just always slipped into, you yes. know, the sentences like yeah. a pro-Russia Yanukovych. Yes. It's like there, there's wow. a great book coming out soon by Nikolai Petro, who is a professor at the University of Rhode Island that goes into all this history. And I have um, I'm writing about it, too, in my forthcoming book, which will be out early next year. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, but it's, it's just taken for granted that he's pro-Russian. And really, he just wasn't uh, a, uh, 
he wasn't taking orders from the EU and from the US. And so that's why it's called pro-Russian. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that's all for now. Also, I was at uh, the uh, event yesterday um, at Boss Boys and Poets. So that was really interesting. I enjoyed all those stories. And yeah, so come by again, DC, anytime. Please. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. And that event I was at with Miko Pellet, by the way, who is doing a book tour for the 10 year anniversary of his book, The General Sun, which is really good. And I'm going to be doing a live event with him in New York City on November 15th at the People's Forum. So make sure you come by to that, and it'll be a live stream of my show also. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I guess, is there, how can I follow up on that? Um, I'll put it on, it'll be on Twitter soon. Okay, all right. Bye, all. Okay, we'll take one, thanks, Nick, for the call. We'll take one last caller, which is Dimitro. And do me a favor, Nick, if you're still listening, and quit the app. So we I'm don't... from Ukraine, so I wanted to express about Yanukovych. Okay, go ahead. Probably he wasn't Russian, actually. But he's, uh, uh, he's uh, supporters. Okay. Okay. So, where are you? Sorry. He's my supporters. We are pro-Russian. Like 99%. Okay, well, you're talking about the people in the Donbass, right? Mostly. Not, not only. Okay. Mostly, yes. Well, um, if you want to categorize them all that way, I bet you're right. I, you know. Look, Dimitro, sorry. We're having a sound issue, so we are just going to end the show here. But, Could we? hear from you. Oh, should it stop? Yeah. Um, so Dimitro, listen, uh, we'll be doing this again next week. If you want to call back in then at the same time, uh, and we can hear more, but I just, the sound thing is, okay. Uh, but thank you for calling. Yeah, please back next week. Uh, and we're going to wrap it there. Uh, thanks everyone for bearing with us today. Uh, we're definitely going to get calling on this glitch thing. So this won't happen again. And, uh, for more content, go to usefulidiots.substack.com. Yeah. See you guys next week. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.